things out of our lives. <laughs> Some of us have talked about it personally, but man, that was... Uh, sometimes we just need Him to pull something out of us. You know, we, we don't know how to get out of it. We don't know how to... We're just like, I, I, I can't figure it out. I can't get free from it. I can't seem to get over this thing. And uh, we need the Lord to just come in and say, you know what, I'm the one that has to take care of that. You've just, you've just got to give it to me. You've got to trust me. And so, um, such, a good, such a good word, timely word. Uh, let's, let's go ahead and look at the account of Exodus. Uh, my wife introed it so beautifully. Um, the next section, this is, this is the next place. And so I'm just going to, we're going to jump right in and read it and just, just highlight a few things here. Um, I don't think we have to have to go forever on some of these things. We've already kind of had the Lord speaking into our hearts, but we'll see. So Exodus 13 and verse 17, uh, if you were here last week, I don't know, uh, I didn't hear the message uh, from my wife last week uh, yet, so I know it was focused in on, on the Passover and the last plague and, you know, how the the people, or the king let, let the people go, right? He finally said, fine, you, you get out of here, get out of here. I, I want you to leave. Uh, so we pick it up in 13 and verse 17. It says, when Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though that was shorter. If that's not speaking to you, I don't, I don't know how to make it any clearer. <laughs> when Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them through the shortest route. For God said if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. They might go back to their past. They might go back to what they were held into. So God led the people around by the desert road toward the Red Sea. And the Israelites went up out of Egypt ready for battle. And Moses, this is so cool, Moses took the bones of Joseph with him because Joseph had made the Israelites swear an oath. He'd said, God will surely come to your aid and then you must carry my bones up from this place. Kind of like Jacob was talking about earlier. Joseph said, hey, when we get out of here, take my bones and Remember, these bones are 430 years old. <laughs> it, was a, it was a while. It wasn't like, hey, next week. Anyway, just a reminder about that. So just the, the declaration, the promise of God. And so after leaving their camp on the edge of the desert, by day the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light so that they could travel by day or night. Neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. And so, you know, when God's leading you out, He doesn't always take the path that you want Him to take. He doesn't take the shortest path. He doesn't take the, maybe the easiest path. He takes the best path. He's taking the best path that's going to allow you to walk in your freedom and for you to be built up in your faith so that you can face what is ahead of you. Where was God taking His people? Promised land, right? He was taking them to the promised land. They weren't ready to enter the promised land yet. They were not ready to face the challenges of the promised land. 
And so they needed to be tested in the desert for a long time until they were ready. And some people had to die off who weren't ready. I'm not saying that any of y'all need to die off. Okay. Um, what that means for us is some things need to die out of our lives, right? We need to have some things die out so that the, the, the new things, the new generation, but the new things come up and say, no, what? We're ready now. We're, we're going we're gonna to go forward in God. I'm going to go forward in what Jesus is leading me to do. So anyway, we haven't got to the promised land yet, but that's where we're going, right? That's what, where God is taking them. Everything he's doing right now is preparing them to take the next step. Everything God is doing in your life right now is preparing you for that next step. So the next step for them was a huge challenge that my wife alluded to just a few minutes ago. So let's just read this whole, almost this whole thing. It says, then the Lord said to Moses, tell the Israelites to turn back and encamp near this place, Pi Harith, between Migdal and the sea. They're to encamp by the sea. Directly opposite Baal Zephon, Pharaoh will think the Israelites are wandering around the land in confusion, hemmed in by the desert, and I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will pursue them. But I will gain glory for myself through Pharaoh and all his army, and the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. Remember, the focus of Exodus is names, right? And so what does God say? He says his personal name. Know that I am Yahweh. In other words, I'm not just any God. I'm not just the run-of-mill God. I'm not just the God of the statue that you have. I'm not the God of the Nile River. I'm not the God of the stars. I, I, am, the, I am the only God. And here's my name. They will know that I am. I am the one. So the Israelites did this. And when the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds about them and said, What have we done? We just let all our free workers go. We've let the Israelites go and have lost their services. Not only that, we like paid them a gangload of money as they went out. It was interesting that, that they were paid for all their work for 400 years as they left Egypt. God let, didn't let the enemy steal it from them. It says they, they plundered Egypt. They, they had riches beyond. I mean, it's how they did everything for 40 years. I mean, they, they had riches, and going into the kingdom, they were able to build the tabernacle because they were slaves and they had nothing. But then they could have... Anyway, it's just so cool how God works, right? He's the restorer. He's the one who takes back what's been stolen. So... He had his chariot made ready, and Pharaoh took his army with him. Verse 7, he took 600 of the best chariots along with the other chariots of Egypt with officers over all of them. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, so that he pursued the Israelites who were marching out boldly. And the Egyptians, all Pharaoh's horses and chariots, horsemen and troops, pursued the Israelites and overtook them as they were encamped by the sea, the Red Sea, near all those weird places that we don't know where they are. Um, as Pharaoh approached, verse 10, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them. And they were terrified, and they cried out to the Lord. And they said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt 
that you brought us to the desert to die. What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, (laughs) suddenly now we're, you know, I'm in charge, Moses, not you. Didn't we tell you, leave us alone. (laughs) Let us be slaves. Let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. I mean, this is, this is more than a pity party. I mean, this is a serious, serious stronghold issue right here, isn't it? This shows you the power of fear. All their reaction here is all based on fear. Number one, fear does this. Fear, sometimes people that are angry is because they're afraid. You find yourself getting angry, you need to ask the Lord, am, am I afraid of, is there, is there fear in my life? Is there an open door in my heart to, to fear? Maybe I, I'm fearful about the situation, maybe I'm fearful about my future, maybe I'm fearful about my, my spouse or my children or whatever it may be, my own body, just something going on, and, and fear begins to, it begins to rewrite the past. Fear begins to, to rewrite the past where the things that were bad are suddenly, oh, well, that wasn't so bad. I mean, that's what it was. They were slaves. I mean, who wants to go back to being a slave? I mean, they were, they were, they were in one of the worst places they could be, and yet fear let them believe that that was better than freedom. That that was better than even dying in freedom. You know, fear will rewrite our past and our present so that we don't enter the Lord's future. It tries to reconstruct it, you know, so your, your past is different. You know, it, it re, uh, maybe your, you know, fear is the fear I'm not forgiven. Last weekend, one of the huge things that, that the Lord dealt with with several, several men at, this, at, the, at the retreat was forgiving yourself. Letting go of shame. To say, you know what, you've got to forgive yourself for all those things you've done. But the fear is, what if? What if, what if I'm, I can't get free? What if I'm not forgiven? What if I'm not really loved? What if Jesus wasn't really enough for me? Right? And fear rewrites the past. But the past, if you're a child of God, is under the blood of Jesus. And he says, no, I've paid for that. I've freed you from that. And so true, the true history is you're free. But fear is trying to rewrite it where you look at your past differently. Guess what? That messes up your present. It messes up the, the peace that you are lacking, you know, you're not living in because you're, you've given in to fear. The other thing that fear does is it starts pointing the finger. When you start pointing the finger at someone close to you, because I married you. But seriously, right? We start pointing, we start accusing. That's what the people did, right? They start accusing Moses. This is your fault. I told you not to do that. Don't get us out of this slave slavery. <laughs> I was just fine being a slave. You know, fear just makes you point the finger. So sometimes when people are accusing you, just know, hey, maybe they're just afraid. 
The other thing fear does is it just tries to control, right? Tries to, okay, we're going to make sure that everything is in line here. None of you do that, right? You don't like try to like control everyone else's life? <laughs> just preaching to myself, okay. <laughs> you don't try, you know, you... I mean, and it's subtle. Look, we, we know we're not talking about the super obvious things. We're just talking about subtly, like, you know, you suddenly make a comment here because you need your somebody in your life that's close to you. you. You want them to act a certain way. and You're trying to get them to do what you want. You're trying to control them. Because you're afraid. Because you're, you're, you don't know... You don't know yet for sure if the Lord is going to bring you through this. Because if you knew he's going to bring you through it, you're not going to be afraid. Now, there's nothing wrong with being afraid, I don't think. I think the Lord just doesn't want us to stay afraid. It's not about pretending that we're suddenly never going to be afraid of something. You know what? When something happens to your kids, that's freaking scary. I just said freaking, sorry. At least I didn't say the real word, right? <laughs> I don't, by the way. This is for the, anybody cares. <laughs> it's scary. Things that happen, they, there are some things we should be scared of. But we just don't want fear to control us. In other words, fear is not my master. Fear is not my Lord. Fear is not my God. Fear doesn't determine my steps. The Lord determines my steps. And really, it's an issue of lordship. It's an issue of who's, who's in charge of my life. And so in this case, for the Israelites, fear is still running their life. Their reaction, their, their words, their expressions, their accusations, their, their response. But it says this, it says, Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm. And you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. You know, I mean, that right here, the Bible just preaches itself, right? What are we to do when we find ourselves in a situation? Stand firm. And you will see the deliverance. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You only need to be still or you need to be quiet or you need to be at peace. So then, interestingly enough, what does it say? What does it say that the, the Lord says? It says, the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? The Lord says to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Now, this may sound wrong, but just hang with me. Some of our prayers, we need to shut up. Because we're not crying from a place of faith. We're crying from a place of fear. And that's what, that's what the Lord says right now. Stop talking. Stop crying. Stop crying out to me right now. What you need to do right now is not cry out to me. You need to be quiet. You need to be at peace. You need to be still. And why is he doing that? Just because he's 
mean? Because he's like, oh man, I don't care about you. No, he's, he, he's teaching you that he is the one who's going to win your battle. Sometimes we just need to be quiet so that we know we didn't do it, that we had zero percent. It wasn't my prayer. It wasn't my this. It wasn't because I did this for God. It wasn't, you know, it's I didn't earn it. I didn't make it happen. I, I did nothing. I was just quiet and said, okay, God, I can't, I can't make this happen. And I'm not going to cry out to you. I'm not going to complain about it. That's what they were doing, right? You know, some of our prayers are complaints. And I think it's fine sometimes to bring those to God. The Psalms are full of those things. So it's not a... It's not a every single time thing. This is not a catch-all, like a this is every single time that this has to happen. But sometimes, sometimes you might find yourself sensing God to tell you, stop praying, be quiet, and just, just be quiet. Stop talking at me and let me talk to you. <laughs> sometimes we've got to be quiet. So then God gives direction. He says to Moses, of course, raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go in after you and I will gain glory through Pharaoh and all his army, through his chariots and his horsemen. The Egyptians will know, once again, they will know, I am Yahweh, I am the Lord. When I gain glory through Pharaoh and his chariots and and his horsemen, Then the angel of God who'd been traveling in front of Israel's army withdrew and went behind them. Makes me think of that scripture where God says, I'll be your rear guard. I've got your back. And so the pillar of cloud also moved from in front and stood behind them. So coming between the armies of Egypt and Israel. And throughout the night, the cloud brought darkness to one side, darkness to the Egyptians, and light to the other side, light for the Israelites so they could see where to walk through the water and see God's hand and his miraculous deliverance. So neither went near the other all night long. And then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. And all that night, the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind and turned it into dry land. The waters were divided and the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground. That's, to me, that was just cool. I mean... It wasn't like they had to go through the mud. They were like, no, you're going to walk on dry ground. With a wall of water, it's like it turned it into Midland, right down the middle. <laughs> dry and windy. <laughs> dry and windy. <laughs> hey, sometimes Midland is, is the deliverance, baby, right? <laughs> yeah, we showed up in the story. Okay, and all the <laughs> Israelites went through on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. I do want to see this video in heaven if, if we get to. And the Egyptians pursued them. And all Pharaoh's horses and chariots and horsemen followed them into the sea. During the last watch of the night, the Lord looked down from the pillar of fire and, and threw their army into confusion. He jammed the wheels of their chariots so that they had difficulty driving. And look, look at this. And the Egyptians said, let's get away from the Israelites For the Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. Of course, Moses, the end of the story is he, God says, hey, put down your hands and the waters come and destroys the enemy. 
But the battle belongs to the Lord. Sometimes you just have to quit fighting your own battle. This is not every time. Sometimes God wants you to participate. There's all kinds of accounts in Scripture where God says, we're going to partner together and you're going to be raised up. I mean, that's the promised land when they get to the promised land. But sometimes you're just in a place where you just need to rest. You just need to let God work in your life. You just need to be quiet and just say, okay, Lord, I'm just going to believe the promise that the battle is yours. This belongs to you. I, I can't work it out. I can't figure it out. I, can't, I don't even know how to pray. I'm just going to trust you. I'm just going to rest in you. And that's faith, really. Faith sometimes is just rest. Faith is not always loud. Faith is sometimes quiet, where it's just a, I'm just going to be at peace. I'm going to sit in the peace of God, and, I, and it's not peaceful around me. It's like Jesus sleeping in the boat. He was at peace. The storm was around him, but he was totally at peace because he was always walking in the peace of God. And what does Jesus say when he leaves earth? My peace I give you. I don't give as the world gives. You know, I'm not going to take it away. In this world, you'll have many troubles. But take heart. I've overcome the world. We have to look to the Lord. We have to be quiet and rest. And we have to trust Him that what He has said will come to pass. Here's the interesting thing. We would never remember Passover if they didn't make it through the Red Sea. They would have, it, what if they died right there? <laughs> the Passover wouldn't have been so cool, right? <laughs> they got, or they got taken back into Egypt. Okay, that was cool. You had your 30 seconds of freedom, and uh, come on back. The power of the Lamb's blood is that it kept bringing freedom. It wasn't a one-time thing. There is a one-time Passover. There is a one-time where there's the blood of the lamb is on the doorposts of the houses and, and death passes over. Yeah, there is that in our lives. But it's meant to carry us to where the Red Sea parts in front of us. It's meant to carry us where we face the desert of testing. It's meant to carry us through where we can enter into the promises of God, where we can walk in them. Because that's the power of the cross of Jesus, is it's not for just one moment. It's for, from that moment on. And so in your life, as you're living with Jesus, you can expect God to show up. You can expect Him to lead you, you know, where you need to go. Even if it doesn't look like it. And even if it looks like wandering. It even says here that Pharaoh's like, look, they're wandering around. <laughs> Maybe the devil thinks you're wandering around, but God's like, no, I'm leading you right now. You're not, you're not wandering. There's purpose in this. You know, I am preparing you. I am working in you. I am training you. I am, I am strengthening you. I, I am making you ready for where you are ready to face that next thing, where you are ready to face the next battle. And so it could be a situation where you're going to be quiet. But later on, it's a situation where they say, now, now you go in. Same thing happens in the promised land, right? When they get in the promised land, the first time, what happens with the battle? It's, I'll give you a hint. His name is Joshua. How did they win the battle? 
they didn't really do much. They didn't really fight, right? They didn't, the, fight, the fight belonged to the Lord. All they had to do this time was be loud. <laughs> One time is be quiet. Next time is be loud. Because there's no formula, I'm sorry. There's no formula that says, if you do it this way, that that's the way it happens. And you, if you always do this with God, it'll work. We all know that's not true. Any of us who've walked with God for a while, we all know that we prayed a certain way one time, and then we pray that same way the next time, and it doesn't happen the same way. Because he's always saying, I want you to hear my voice. Right, Ronnie? I want you to hear what I'm saying to you. I want you to walk with me. This is a relationship. You need to listen to what I'm saying because I'm going to lead you. I'm going to tell you when you need to be loud. I'm going to tell you when you need to be quiet. I'm going to tell you when you need to listen. I'm going to tell you when you need to speak up. But what a mighty deliverance that God brings for his people. And so be encouraged. And it says at the end, verse 31, I want to read this verse. It says this, When the Israelites saw the mighty hand of the Lord displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and put their trust in him and in Moses, his servant. That's really what's supposed to happen when we see God move. First of all, Sometimes God's going to do some stuff that's going to scare you <laughs> in a good way <laughs> to where you go, oh, you're God, you're God, and I'm not, I don't want to mess around with you. Because sometimes we need that, right? We need to just know, well, I'm not messing around anymore. I'm not, I'm not going to take this thing lightly anymore. This is not just a a feel-good thing. This is not just a, a club I'm in. This is not just a uh, how I make my life better type thing. No, this is, this is serious. This is, this is God and not God. He's God. I'm not God. But it also says they feared the Lord, but they trusted the Lord. You know, as you walk through, you know, if they didn't have the Red Sea experience where they, it looked like they were going to die, they wouldn't have had a deep, as deep of a trust in God than if He did not lead them to the Red Sea. He knows how to lead us. He knows where to lead us. He knows how to bring freedom in our lives, and we just have to trust Him. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. We'll close there. I just want to. I just want to close with communion. Ushers, come on up, and we're just going to seal this time with with the body and blood of Jesus. You know, the Passover is, uh, as I'm sure you shared last week, my lovely bride, a, a great picture of the death of Jesus. The sacrifice of Jesus. Yeah, you guys go ahead and you can pass it out while I'm talking. It's fine. Um, you know, all the, all the stories in the Old Testament are pointing to Jesus. That's, that's, the, that's the point. 
is they're pointing to Jesus. They're pointing to the cross. They're pointing to, like, when, when he comes, you know, this, this, is the, this is what all this is leading to. It wasn't just about the miracle. It wasn't just about, you know, the Passover or the deliverance to the Red Sea. It was like, no, no, I, I'm bringing you out so that I can bring the ultimate sacrifice, so I can bring the ultimate freedom, so I can bring the, the ultimate deliverance in your life, and that's going to happen through Jesus. As amazing as the Red Sea was, it's not amazing as quite amazing as God saving your soul. Rescuing your life from darkness and canceling the debt that was against you and, and delivering you from your sin and all the things that would hold you back, all the things that would entangle you, He delivers us and He walks us through. I mean, the, the book of Exodus is a beautiful picture of salvation. They're saved and then God continues to, to save them over and over again. It's not that they weren't saved. It's just that they had to keep getting saved. They had to keep being freed. They had to keep having Him work in their lives. They had to keep coming up into things in their lives that, that looked like they were impassable. That this, this issue in your family, it's like, how are we going to get through this? And God says, hey, look, you have the blood on your life now. You, you are now set apart. You are now different. You are now marked. You are now mine. And so when you come to that thing that's against you, if God is for you, who can be against you? And so just as, as we close today, we're just being thankful. And if you're in a situation where you say, man, I am just, I feel like I'm in the middle of the battle, maybe God's telling you right now just to rest and say, okay, God, I'm just going to trust you. I'm going to take this communion today and I'm going to say, Jesus, you're enough for me. Jesus, you're enough. And I receive everything that you, are, you have done and are doing into my life. And I'm just, I'm just consuming you rather than trying to be consumed with this other thing. And Jesus, I believe that because I am in covenant with you and you used your own blood, that you used your own blood on the cross to set me free and to pay for my debt, that I am now one of yours and I am washed and I am clean and I am free and I am a son or a daughter of the King because of the blood of Jesus. I have been set free. I am now not in darkness. I am in light. I am not lost anymore. I am now found. I'm not a sinner anymore. I'm now a saint. I am not in chains. I am now free. I am a son or a daughter of the King of Kings. I am in a covenant relationship that he paid for with his very blood. And he who did not spare his own son, how will he not also along with him give us all things? It says in Romans chapter 8, he did not spare his son for us, but freely gave him through the body and the blood of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Just begin to thank Him right, right where you are. Thank you, Jesus. We give you glory and honor. We give you praise, Jesus. You are so good. You are so good. We are thankful for the body of Jesus. We are thankful that He was broken, that we might be healed, God. We are thankful that everything we need, that Jesus, You are enough. Lord, whether, it, whether it's little or big, we're trusting in You. Right now, 
whether it's huge or just a little thing that needs dealt with right now. God, we're just saying we trust you. Every one of those things is worth trusting you with. And we've seen you work in our lives, God. We've seen, we've heard testimonies today, but we have our own testimonies, all of us. We have something that you've done in our lives, and we are looking back on that. We refuse to rewrite the past through fear, God. We, we choose to trust in you. We choose to trust in you. And Jesus, we receive all that you have for us. In, in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Just just take the bread and receive that. Just lift up the cup now. If you've never given your heart to Jesus, just let that moment be right now where you say, Jesus, forgive me. Cleanse me of my sin. I, I choose to make you the Lord of my life. I choose to believe and know that what you've done is real. This is not just a story. This is not just a, a feel-good message that we get on a Sunday morning. No, this is, you really died. And you really rose again. You really came back to life on the third day. And I trust that your blood is enough to transform my life and to change me and to free me and to cover me and to forgive me and to cleanse me, to make me a new person. And so, God, we thank you that you have done that with us that you have marked us with your blood, God, that, that there is a passing over. God, there's a passing over of judgment. That judgment passes over me because of the blood of Jesus. That those things that were trying to destroy my life, even though I was welcoming them into my life, because of the blood of Jesus, you said no and you took my judgment. You took that for me. Thank you, God, that your judgment passes over us. That you don't condemn us. You free us. You make us new. So, God, let the newness of your sacrifice, the, the newness of our, our spiritual life, just help us, help us walk in that freshly this week as your children. And we receive that and we believe that in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. If you'd stand up, we're, we're, we're closed. If you, need, if you still need prayer, we're going to have a, people up here praying. If you still need prayer for anything that you didn't get prayed for earlier or something new is stirred in your heart, don't leave without getting prayer. But you are, you're dismissed to go. If you need to go to home group, see the, the Stacys. Um, and if not, we'll, we'll see you on Wednesday or next Sunday. Bless you. Thank you, Lord.